Well, hello, Cedars. Hey, I am so glad that I get to be with you um, this morning as we're going to tackle what you just watched, this concept of losing my religion. And um, we're just going to tackle that from a place of, of really where I feel like uh, some things are happening in our situation uh, that's going on in our world today. And so what I want you to know is that... Um, this comes out of a heart that says that um, now that we've had weeks away from being in this building, uh, weeks away from what would, for many people, be ritual. Uh, many people coming to the building uh, and calling, going to the building, going to church, or um, being in the room, and that's what church was for me. Um, I have uh, been watching, and a lot of people are struggling uh, with this concept of what is church now? Is church me on my couch watching a screen? And the reality is, is that we have got to understand. Even understand. So let's do something really quickly just to get us started. This is James 1.27, and it says this, Religion that our God and Father accept as pure and faultless is, faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's what James, the brother of Jesus, called religion. This idea that if you're going to do something, it is about taking care of the widows and orphans. But notice that the next part is that if you're going to have religion, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so we talk and we hear, um, even as we, we see news, there's the world religions that are out there. And I, I just want us to wrestle with this idea of what is God doing? Because here's the thing. Wherever you are at, he is working on your heart individually. Yes, he's doing things to the church collectively. Yes, he's doing to the things church worldwide. But we have a God who can handle all of what he's doing with the church worldwide and also he can deal with what he is having you go through. And your own wrestlings and your own struggles as to what is this? I will be honest with you, when we are able to get together, whether it be here or at Chick-fil-A or wherever that it looks like, there's a part of being a part of the group. There's a part of being a part of what's going on. And by the way, that's even shown in the beginning of the first church. But again, what has it become and what is being stripped away by God and allowed to be stripped away that we can get to maybe a more pure vision of what it means to be a follower of him. A few years back, we had a pastor from Africa. His name was Jackson Sinyonga, and he gave this quote, and I want to give it to you. He says, in Africa, the formula for the church is simple. Hear, believe, and obey. That always produces results. 
in America, the formula seems to be hear, think, analyze, compare, research, and maybe believe if the goal includes lots of personal benefits. And that kind of formula results only in religion. And by the way, it has been a talk of the pastors here. I, like many of you know, I was the president of CityServe of just how many people are into this thing where um, instead of this personal dynamic relationship with Jesus, it really becomes, I'm gonna go see what this church has to offer. I'm gonna go see what this church has to offer. I'm gonna go see what this can give me. I'm gonna go see what that can give me. And I'm gonna go fight over this doctrine and I'm gonna go find, fight over this place. And it just seems that in America, because again, in Africa, it is like, man, this is my hope. I mean, I am hearing, I am believing, I'm going towards this. We put it through a whole system that tries to figure out if this is a thing good enough for me to be a part of. So God then takes away through this whole virus thing, takes away all of this, and we're left to God, my word, the word that he's given me, and my relationship with him, and I want to be honest, I'm hearing that a lot of people are just finding that there wasn't much there. Without the ritual, without the routine, without the collective, there wasn't really anything below that surface. If no one is going to recognize that I'm not going to be there on Sunday, then I will say to you, there are many people who are not going to tune in and hear my voice right now. And yes, I realize that this message is probably more for them. But for those of you that are hearing my voice, this is an opportunity. For you to take your whole concept of what is my relationship with God away from a building and through a TV screen. And I will let you know, we as a staff are doing our absolute best to try to make sure the word of God is coming to you, to give you worship and to give you a sense that this is your community but you know that you're alone in your living room with those in your house and you're trying to figure this whole thing out and I'm wondering if God is calling you closer to himself in a way that would not be possible if it wasn't for this. So here's what I'm saying. This is an opportunity. Step into this, wrestle with the awkwardness. It's even been awkward for me. How do we get in this place where you go, God, no, it's my time with you, whether it's in the morning or or time where you go take a walk and you think about him where God goes, I'm still here. I have a cathedral. It's called my whole world is my cathedral and I'm dwelling with inside of you. And yet so many of us, because we don't have the trappings or the job or the obligation, this is a really difficult time. And we don't know how long this is going to be. And so I really thought this message would be something for us to wrestle through as to say, Can you find out what it is about your relationship with God that is relationship or religion? Is it depth or is it just surface? Is this a time to really test the waters of your faith? Bono said this, religion is what happens when God has left the building. Meaning when God is no longer in there, we just continue on with the ritual And God goes, I'm over here with these people. I'm over here doing this ministry. I'm over here in this place. And sadly, a lot of times we can stay in the place of ritual and miss the movement of where God is going. So here's my question. God was never in this building before. He was in his people. He is in our hearts and he is collectively with us as we come together. 
He's not in a location. He is in a relationship. And I want us to wrestle through those things and wrestle through those truths and know whether or not that is exactly where we need to be. So, we're going to look at some scriptures that are going to challenge us with this. This is Galatians uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, and he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And I want you to know that this passage speaks to me because I wonder how many people, without all of what has been traditionally church, have quickly said, hey, this isn't for me. I was speaking to um, a lady who runs a wedding um, kind of a, a, of a job. That's what she does, puts on weddings. And she's reading the forward and she's talked to so many brides who, by the way, were all the way up to within a couple of months of having their weddings. And they've called and said, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I'm just gonna go to the Justice of the Peace and no, we're not gonna do a party and no, we're not gonna do a gathering. We're just gonna be done. It was too much work to have this all fall apart. And so she's, of course, worried and struggling for what her business will be. But I heard her and I was going, wow. I wonder how many people said, no, I put too much effort, too many Sundays, logged in too much. This is too hard. When reality is, is that maybe all of those years were training wheels and this is when you actually get to ride. But here's the question. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting. I think there's a lot of people that, again, that that routine, that ritual, kept them around the church, but quickly the things of this earth are calling to them. Verse seven, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so he's really challenging them and saying, look, they're trying to convert, you know, mess up what the gospel is. And so it's really good for us to know the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to set me free from my sin no matter where I find myself, no matter where I find my circumstances. And so I think that it's important that here's Paul writing. But later on in Galatians, this is what he says. You foolish Galatians. That's pretty strong language. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Clearly portrayed as crucified. That's the message. Here he is, crucified for us, given his life for us. Not for a building, not for an agenda, but for us. He gave his life. Verse two, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit of, by observing the law or by believing what you heard? See, the observing the law was all about ritual. It was cleansings, it was wash, washings, it was all of these things. He's going, look, Galatians, look, did you believe by what you heard? You heard the good news, you heard the gospel, and then you believed. Are you so foolish, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing. I want to kind of look on that. It says, have you suffered so much for nothing if it, as, um, if it was really for nothing? So look, he goes, you were in it. You were suffering for the gospel, but you so quickly went back to have this be that I've got to do something. I've got to, 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 to earn this. That's what he's challenging him on. And again, it's this idea that I think that I'm trying to really understand from my own heart, is that how many people are going, I'm not doing anything, therefore God must be displeased with me when all he wants to do is be with you. 
And have you acknowledged what he did for you on the cross? Verse five, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? See, again, let's strip away all of what this is. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you to give you life and to give you hope and that he wants to be in relationship with you? And then all these things that we as people add on to that, again, buildings and churches and agendas and, and all, do we put more emphasis there or can we get back into that place where we're trusting this relationship with him? See, I call this losing my religion because I think there's a lot of people that just don't know where to grasp right now because they weren't grasping in the right place from the beginning. Maybe their faith was their parents' faith. It's just what we've always done. Or it's a spouse's faith where you go because of the obligation of a spouse or, hey, I'll go for the kids. But where is it when it's you? Where is it when you're, again, in your living room on a Sunday morning watching a video going, is this it? Folks, look, it's not this building. And this is just a vehicle. This screen between us is just a vehicle. But your relationship with God can happen right now between you and him. It doesn't need all of this. Again, we're here to help and encourage and and spur you on. But your relationship needs to be able to function even if. By the way, let's say they said we couldn't do this anymore. Where would you be? If it was just you and your Bible and your home, where would you be? Could you find fulfillment with him? In Romans 4, 4 through 5, we read this. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Okay, that's just very, if you do a job, you're expecting to get paid. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. See, the thing is, is that my faith is not in, I've done all these things and I've done all the works and therefore God owes me anything. No, it is in this place that my faith is counted as righteousness because I am trusting him, trusting him in this process. My faith is in him, And not on the things that I do or not on the things that the church does, but in him and him alone. So I I want us to really sit with this. And maybe for many of you, you're like, Jeff, this isn't me. I'm good. I mean, my time with God has grown richer and deeper. And for you, may God praise. But for a lot of people, I think they're struggling. Because again, we've gotten into ritual and we've gotten into religion. Colossians 2, 16 through 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to, your, uh, to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Look what that's saying. Your, your hope not be found in these festivals and these things that you do. No, it's found in Christ and in him alone, right? Christ alone. Is he enough? Is he enough? Is he enough for you to be in this place where you go, I have Christ. And yeah, I would love to have the relationship and I would love to have the community and I would love to have all that comes with the church. But what if all I have is him? Is he enough? These are big questions. 
I think it's big questions for us as believers to really struggle through and see whether or not this is exactly what we need. In Mark 7, 5 through 8, we read this. So the Pharisee and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why do your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So let me read the question to you again. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So their question is, they've watched what's happening with his disciples. Jesus has not a big, made this big thing about washings and all these things that have to do with their hands and their food because that was not of God. That is not in scripture. It became as, and they claim it exactly in, in their question. It is a tradition. It's a great question. See, because one of the things we have to wrestle with is we have to wrestle with what is really church and what is tradition and what do I just like and what am I just used to? I've told this story for years. I was a fairly legalistic teen. Um, I had grown up in the church. Uh, I had uh, kind of done that stuff. And, and there's, a, there's almost a, a pride of I've done all this the right way. And one of the right ways in which you do that is that you wear a suit and a tie or at least a dress shirt and a tie on Sunday morning. And it was this thing for me where, again, I was able to go, look, I'm super spiritual because I'm wearing this tie. Now, I said the story before, uh, my uncle um, had gone to Vietnam and had always gone to church before he went to Vietnam, came back and just basically just said, there's no God. And I remember that it was for my mom, it was a heart cry of hers that she was praying for my uncle. And so that wasn't every day, but pretty often if she prayed at dinner or if I heard her stuff, she would bring up my uncle. Um, She was worried for him. She was worried for his salvation, of course. And uh, uh, there had been a movement that had happened. Some of you guys know about the, this thing called the Jesus Movement. Um, and it came out of Southern California, um, really came out of a bunch of hippies and all these things and kind of had grown and had turned into uh, Calvary chapels. And, um, and then Calvary chapels were kind of starting just to grow. And so I just remember them just starting to take off. And I remember my mom saying, hey, your uncle's going to a church uh, called the Calvary Chapel out in his area, which is out um, in this area in Chino. And I went, oh, okay, great. And um, I thought, that's, that's awesome. And I, I met with my uncle and um, um, he says, yeah, I'm starting to go to church. I love the pastor. He wears jeans and he, you know, kind of wears a, a button down shirt. And I remember in my spirit, I went, that's not a church then. Uh, That guy doesn't know Jesus. Here we have been praying for my uncle to find Christ and I'm already laying on traditions and foundations and and missing that my uncle found Christ and found joy and found release and found happiness, by the way, to the very day he died. Just an all-out focus on Jesus. Because again, it was coming into my territory of no, I wear a tie and therefore I'm holy. Many of you guys know I've worn ties on a Sunday morning in a long time. I think God was trying to break me of some of these things of like, how do we really open ourselves up to not putting these boundaries? I love when people dress up for church because if that's their heart's desire and cry out to worship God by giving in their best, amen. If it becomes a tradition, it can become really dangerous. 
So again, the question is, why aren't they doing this? Jesus responds. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people on me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship at me in vain. Their teachings are by rules taught by men. And so he's just calling them out. He goes, look, I didn't do this and God didn't do this so that you could have a bunch of rules that you make up and go, now that's holiness. Because that's not what this is about. This is about whether or not you see me, whether or not you understand that I'm the source, not whether you've washed hands or done these special, these, all these things. No, 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 it's me. Verse eight, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding to the traditions of men. So again, one of the things I am having us uh, process through and having us work through is what is our um, struggle? What is our um, question? Is that are we, are we doing the traditions of men or are we doing this thing that God has called us to do? And so you sit in your living room and your pajamas and your coffee and you're going, man, is this holy? Well, it's your heart that matters. It's not the pajamas. It's not the coffee. It's not the room. It's all of what's happening inside of you. It's all about this idea that can you give yourself to him and can you trust him in those ways? That's what it's coming down to. So I was trying to think about how I would illustrate this. And I want to tell you this story that comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 15. In the story, um, you have Saul. Saul's the king. And he's getting ready for this battle. And, and he goes to Samuel and he wants to know if he's going to be prosperous. And so Samuel goes to God. And God goes, yeah, but here's the deal. Everything is mine. Don't leave anything. It's all a sacrifice to me. Don't take any of the plunder. Don't take any of those things. So, of course, the battle happens. Saul's victorious. And then we get this in 1 Samuel 15, 13 through 14. And Samuel came to Saul and said to him, blessed be, blessed be to you to the Lord. Let me read this right, right. Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So he's coming in, he's done these things, he's won the battle, and he's going, I did it. I have done what God commanded. And I love Samuel's response. What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? God was clear. Yes, go do this battle. I will have you, but leave nothing. That's all the sacrifice to me. And yet, as Samuel comes up, he's like, hearing a lot of sheep, hearing a lot of oxen. Now, here's what's so great about this story is that Saul does what even we used to do as little kids and that we've even watched our kids do. He goes, oh, 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 well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, we took all that, but that is for us to give sacrifices to God. That's for, I mean, yes, I mean, you, he said everything, but we thought it'd be better if we took these animals and we sacrificed them to God as a sacrifice. So yeah, I know what he, but, but we just thought it'd be better if we did that. And so he's caught fully caught, and he switches the story of why they took all of these animals. And he's like, oh yeah, they're, they're for God. They're, we're going to sacrifice them to him. And, and, and you can just feel it because you've been there. You've been that person who's been caught and you're twisting the story to try to make yourself look good. Jump down to verse 22. And Samuel said, has the Lord, um, 
um, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices (laughs) as in obeying the voice? See, that's the question. See, God said, do this. This is what I want you to do. I didn't ask you to do extra. I ask you to do this. And so in this, this obeying is everything. He goes, look, yes, sacrifices and burnt offerings, but I wanted you to obey. I wanted you to do the right thing. So, watch what he says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is in the sin of divination and presumption is, is as iniquity and idolatry. So this is what he did. He presumed that he would do better. He would do these sacrifices. But remember, God sees it as rebellion. That's what he does. And sadly, because of this, it says this, because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. So, why did I bring up that story? Well, because I think that a lot of the times what we do is that instead of God saying, I want you to obey me and do what I say, we bring sheep and oxen and go, well, this is my ax. This is what I'm going to do. This is just as good. This is how I'm going to serve you. This is how I'll, I'll work hard and then you'll see me. And he goes, look, so watch this. This is Luke 8, 21. And they're talking uh, about Jesus' physical mother and brothers, but he says this. But, my aunt, but he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. N- not set up cathedrals, not wear robes. Again, I'm not against any of these things, but when they become the thing, at, rather than doing it, I think we miss it. And so here's where I'm trying to get in this season that we're in. God stripped everything away and he's saying, just do this. Be with me. Be in relationship with me. Walk with me. Know that I am the God who has you and covers you. I am the God of the gospel who crucified my son for you. And he now sits at the right hand interceding for you, which we looked at last week. And he's saying, look, I'm stripping all of this away. Is it just you and me? And by the way, we can't point to all these other things. But, but I served you and I did this and, and I did that and I put money in the bucket. Okay, fine. But did you obey what I said? Did you obey? In Acts chapter 17, verses 24, 25, and then we're gonna jump down to verse 28. It says this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. So when, um, when Inroads was mobile, we had t-shirts made that says, um, it's not the building, it's the body, right? Because, because again, we can almost make sanctuaries, buildings more important than they're supposed to be. He's not in here. Again, these are foam and cloth seats and 
stucco and drywall and paint and carpet. But his church can be together even through screens. Because in doing so, he's saying, look, I I don't need to be in a a temple built by human hands. And he is not served by by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Whatever we come up with that says, look, instead of me obeying and doing what he's asked me to do, I'm gonna do this over here. Thinking somehow this act, this thing we do, um, this thing with our hands or this thing, that that somehow, God goes, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because listen, verse 28, we're gonna drop down. For in him we live and move and have our being. See, it's in him that we have everything. So there's nothing outside of him that gives me more being than being in him. And there's no act in that that changes those things. So here's where I'm at. And this was hard for me. I'm not happy for COVID. I think it's going to be incredibly painful on our society, uh, economically and emotionally for a long, long time. But I also know that God uses things like this. And so maybe where I'm at is not happy for COVID, but if we're in this situation and we've got to be here, maybe your pastor is going, and by the way, I'm starting with me first. Man, this is the time to really figure out whether I got this or not. Whether I really get that it's not about all these extra trappings. It really is just about him and me and that he died for me to set me free and he wants me to be a sojourner and this is not my world and all these things are not what it is and I can be a good employee and I can work hard, but that's my mission field. And by the way, none of those things are gonna fulfill. And again, we went through that whole series on sustenance to be able to say that he sustains me, not all this. I think it's amazing that we have that series on sustenance that we're trying to figure out, is he really here in this? The last verse I want us to focus on is out of Deuteronomy 4.29. That's Moses speaking. But it's such a profound, simple statement from the beginning. And then, almost like a Christmas tree, we hang all this other junk onto it that's like, no, it's still just this. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Not actions, not buildings, not stuff. If you just (laughs) search after him. So we know we have at least a couple more weeks of this time of being pretty much under uh, stay at home could this be a season for you to really search for him? I mean, yeah, you can watch another Netflix show. Yes, you can play another video game. Yes, you can do another task or clean another thing, but maybe it's a walk with him. Or maybe you need to be on your face in front of him. Because here's the deal. I don't want any of us coming back from this, coming back to religion. Religion that God says is good is taking care of widows and orphans from their, their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's religion that's good. I want you to come back to him. 
And I want you to come back freer than you've ever been and that you get to come back to this place maybe someday and go, this was great, so good to see you and be in community. But it doesn't make your relationship richer because you've already spent with him. Yes, you're gonna learn more. Great, I know more, but I'm still in this relationship with him. Maybe you're gonna be challenged more. Great, you're challenged more, but you're still in that core relationship with him. That's what I want. If we have those people that are just going, no, it's all about my relationship with him and it's not about these things, then man, there's some power there. There's some significance there. So, may we be a people who don't come out of this beaten down and weary. I want to see cedars come out of this recharged, rejuvenated, and seeing what could be possible. What would it look like if God gives us the opportunity for micro churches where we have five or six families in a home actually around a screen and, and those relationships that build out of that? What if it looks like some people going, maybe I never thought of home church. Now I'm giving it a thought. What would it be like if all of a sudden there are people going, man, this was the season I needed to grow deeper and richer and I needed to get my roots in and I'm now ready to see the world as my mission field. And I know that this is no longer my home. Folks, I'm just telling you this. Some of you are watching all the news channels all the time and you're depressed. Stop. Trust him. Look into him. Know that he has you. Walk into those things. Yes, keep yourself aware, but don't let those things define whether or not you have a good day or a bad day. We've been telling you um, to really just be uh, encouraging. And so um, God just, for whatever reason, has brought people ironically, to our house. Had a young man that showed up last night, haven't talked to in a long time, and just wanted to encourage him. Um, he parked over our house because there's a walking trail and he was going to go walk a trail and just wanted to encourage him. Um, I didn't ask. That got brought right to my door. My next door neighbor, him and I are yelling over a fence at each other, trying to encourage him. Folks, God will bring people that, to mind that you haven't thought of in such a long time. And, and you can be that place. But here's the deal. As soon as you get on the phone, you'll be like, oh, this is depressing and this is hard. Or you can be that voice that goes, you know what? God's doing something here. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. And he's doing something me. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do in me. Religion is not horrible. It's when we make religion our God that it is. There's nothing wrong with, again, having ritual and, and something that draws you deeper to him. But if the ritual becomes more important to him, it's wrong. Nothing wrong to come to church. But if just attending the building and sitting in the room is more important than that relationship with him, then it's wrong. I just wanted us to sit with a place where many of us are in this weird situation where this is not normal and we're sitting in front of the TV going, is this church? Folks, it's as much church as your heart allows it to be. Because he's not gone anywhere. He's still right there wanting to be in relationship with you. It's your perspective and what you're seeing that is affecting this whole thing. God is good. And he's doing good things. And we can't see it right now, but I think we're going to be blessed. Far more than we ever thought. So with that, I'm going to pray. And that's going to lead us right into our worship time. Heavenly Father. I just ask that you would be with this word, that you would be with us, that we would be people that would not be taken out by this, but would be revived to come closer to you, to walk with you, and then, Father, come out of it going, God is good no matter what the scenario. You're a good God. 
And I just thank you and love you that we get to spend this time together and we get to spend this time in this way, but it's not about this TV screen and it's not about this message. It's about our relationship with you and may that grow stronger. Thank you and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen.